Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Miss Brenda Reese, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about forgiveness with me. This is such a major topic, and I'm really excited to get into this conversation. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Angela. This is, uh, I'm excited to talk with you too. Yeah. Why don't we start with just take a couple of minutes and tell everybody a little bit about you and what you do. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. My name is Brenda Reese, and I am a forgiveness coach. And what got me into the forgiveness coaching was it found me. I had been sober for a while, and I had been searching. I was doing the steps. I'm doing the things, and I was miserable. And so what I what I was looking for, you know, we we hear that saying that, you know, we have a God-shaped hole, right, that we're trying to fill. And so what I was realizing that I wasn't filling it, I was I was being so external and I was grasping, the codependence was heavy, the shame and the guilt was still there. And so I was seeking, how do I come inside? And, you know, the universe answered. <laughs> My higher power said, here, let's push her into this. And so it was really divinely guided how I found the forgiveness process that I teach today. And it was so needed because I didn't, I didn't put the word forgiveness with what I needed to do. I thought I had it figured out. And I think like most of us do, we're taking the steps, we're doing the deal, but what is this forgiveness? And I dove deep into the forgiveness work, not knowing that, of course, to become a forgiveness coach, you have to go through it yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I dove deep and, um, and it was a very rewarding and a very, you know, it's like recovery. It is just like recovery. And so, but it's an emotional recovery. Mm-hmm. It is an emotional freedom that I found in adding the forgiveness process to everything that I had been learning in my recovery walk. Yeah, you know, all the best coaches are always doing their own work. That's what Absolutely. really makes you a great coach. And and one of my favorite things about being a coach is working with clients really keeps me so much more on top of my own game you know, and making sure that I'm engaged and walking the walk and, and doing all the stuff. So how did you connect that? What you felt like you were missing was a forgiveness thing. Yeah, that's a great question. So I didn't really connect it at first, right? Until I felt the freedom of the forgiveness process. So this is what happened. So I, what got me into this, I had, I have a background like a lot of us of the abuse and neglect and abandonment. And, you know, I didn't realize that I was living my life for other people. If I made you happy, then I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. Right. And all of that stuffing down, I drank over it and did some drugs over it. And, and then my other one was relationships. Okay. So let me, let me just, this is going to help me this one. (laughs) And then, whoa, he's pretty, he's emotionally unavailable. What's their problem? Okay. Next one. Oh, so instead of I laugh and I say, I never dated, I just married. So after my third (laughs) marriage, I had 
I ha- it was a huge wake up call, as we all know, right? The two by four kind of, you know, the, the mm-hmm. universe is going, can you just wake up a little bit here? I got sober in that marriage. And, but I also um, was very codependent. And so that's my, my pain, right? Because as we get sober for a while, I was five years sober going, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. What's wrong? I thought I was supposed to have it figured out by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knowing that I'm just sober enough to go, okay, now I'm ready. So the way that, that I figured it, because then I went through, I was able to go through a divorce, which I wasn't able to before, and able to kind of stand up in my power, yet I kept getting triggered, Angela. So I kept getting triggered by, I was hanging on still to that relationship, right? To that lifeline. And so every time I saw somebody with a bald head, I would, it was like, <gasps> trigger me because he had a bald head. And then I live in the Seattle area. And every time I saw a Metro bus, I would just cry. And it's like, cause he's, he was a Metro bus driver. Right. Mm. And I'm not under, I'm not putting it together. And then I'm doing what I thought I was supposed to do. Like let bygones be bygones and walk in his shoes and just forgiven. It's, it's just time. It'll take time. We'll be okay. But I really wanted a healthy relationship with myself and with others. And I didn't know how to do that. So I embarked on my own journey, which led me to this forgiveness. When I sat with the forgiveness coach and she asked me a couple questions that no one had ever asked me. And this is like years of th- like most of us do, right? We're trying to, we're, we're eating right. We're doing this stuff. We're, we're taking classes. We're, you know, doing all <laughs> the things, doing our work. And she said to me, Brenda, you know, tell me about yourself. How many times you've been married? For how long? You know, jobs, how long? And it was when I said, well, gosh, you know, first marriage was five years, second marriage, a little over five, third marriage was 10. First job was 10 years. Second job was 20 years. I stay with things way too long, right? (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, what happened to you when you were five years old? You have a pattern of five. I had never been asked that question. I never, that had never come up in all the different things that I had done. And I looked at her and I said, my dad left. My dad left our family for another family, just like ours. It was my best friend. Mm. I'm five. And he paid attention to her and not me. Of course, and we know at the age of five, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Right? And my mom later told me I was always trying to get his attention and he never would. But we visited a couple times and he wouldn't pay attention to me. And I remember going, why does he love her and not me? What's wrong with me? I remember feeling that. And then, Angela, what this coach helped me do, which is really why I wanted to do this, was because she said, Brenda, where else has that shown up? And that belief and pattern showed up in every dating and marriages, friendships, everywhere. Somebody that I cared about chose another person over me. Mm. The bottom line is when she said that, I went, does everybody know about this? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, not enough. (laughs) And that really started me on my journey. That's when I connected. It was forgiveness because it was forgiveness of me Mm -hmm. that needed to happen. It was forgiveness of myself, but I couldn't go there first right? Because of all the guilt and the shame and the judgment and the beliefs, I had to start outside of myself. And so I started working on my dad and then my (laughs) ex-husbands, and which then eventually helped me get to me. So that's a long-winded answer (laughs) to your, how did I connect it? (laughs) 
So how do you go about forgiving somebody like really in an intrinsic internal way? Like, because I feel like it's easy to give lip service and say, oh, I forgive you or I forgave them. But it's a very different thing to feel really settled on the inside and peaceful knowing that you have forgiven the person, whoever it is. So how do you go about doing that? Like what is, I feel there's no like do this and this and this, and then you're healed, right? Just like sobriety. It's not a one, two, three, you're done. Um, But could you give us a little insight on that forgiveness piece, like to really reconcile some discomfort and resentment, all the things that go with it? Like, how do you really get to a place of peace? So it's an internal job, Mm. you know, spoiler (laughs) alert. Okay. (laughs) It's an internal job. What I have found to be helpful for me and the clients that I help is to know that what is it that holds me back from forgiving? What is, you know, what we call a roadblock or what is it that um, keeps me wanting to hold on to that story, that resentment? And what I have found is that through all of my work, even knowing the benefits, right, and the costs of forgiveness, I didn't understand how much the pain of unforgiving was costing me. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it. And I know we hear this a lot, but do we embody it? Mm -mm, We don't. Because there's a lot of pride and fear, right? The shame, the anger, all of that will keep us, right? We talk about that in recovery, Mm -hmm. right? It's our pride. Right. Ego. I mean, I, it was so funny. It took me going into recovery to learn I had an ego. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I, I know. It was like when I was told, my sponsor told me that, she goes, you have a big ego. And it's like, I don't either. <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't even know what an ego is. I was the same way with selfishness. Like the first time my sponsor said to me like, wow, that's, you're really selfish. That's really selfish thinking. I was like, oh, that is not something I would ever say about myself. And now that I can connect those dots and I really understand it, I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. This is a problem. <laughs> I know. I so it's like, no, I'm doing everything for everybody else. But really, when we get real, yeah. we look at why was I doing everything for everyone else's to keep me safe? Self-serving. Was yeah. Self-serving. <laughs> and when we can get into those minutiae, right? Not just the top layers, but when we allow ourselves to really go deeper, it it makes sense. And it was like because, you know, when we have that pride and and we have selfishness, it's it's we have it for a reason. Okay. First mm-hmm. I want to say that. I want to say that we don't just, you know, have this for fun. Mm-hmm. We're not selfish for fun. We're not prideful for fun. We have learned these as coping mechanisms, as defense mechanisms. And when I started to learn the different parts of of why I did this, like neuroscience is talking about today, it was like, oh my gosh, when she pointed out that pattern and belief for me, it went, oh, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was like angels were singing because I just went, oh my gosh. Right. And then because, you know, when we have this pride or we have this protective, I'm going to call it protection and this ego that's, that's meant for safety for us. That's Mm -hmm. strong. Those of us, you know, in recovery, we got a strong one. And, (laughs) 
you know, but if, if I apologize or if I ask for forgiveness or if I forgive, I'm weak. Mm -hmm. I'm inferior. That makes you better than me. That's what our ego tells us. That's what pride tells us because it's all about protection. Right. And so we get to, you know, we get to, in this process, face the fear. Like we, we learn in recovery, write that fears list. Mm-hmm. Right. Write that fears list. And for me, I, I take my clients even through that, write that fears list and write what's the opposite of that fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, then let's work on that. Cause this is how we do it. We learn to face it. We learn to face it. And, you know, a lot of us have learned that if I, if I forgive, then I'm going to be uh, rejected or abandoned again. Right. That's one of our fears that we have. And it's like, no, actually, we don't. We're not going to be. Because when we can look at forgiveness a little bit differently, we can learn that it actually is for us. Okay. So in the for, in the radical forgiveness world that I teach, I teach this radical forgiveness process, which helped me. It gave my head something to do so my heart can heal. Mm-hmm. Because we're afraid to go in our heart, right? Because that's that's our wound. That's what we're recovering. I I had um, I what I picture it is like a little trap door in our heart. Like we start to recover and we start to open up a little bit more and trust a little bit more. But there's still a part of us that's underneath this little trap door that's protected. How do we get there? We understand what resentment does to us, and we understand that resentment is that saying you know, taking poison, expecting the other person to die, mm-hmm. right? It's it's like a screw you kind of thing to the other people who hurt us mm-hmm. when we're the ones that are suffering. I'm just going to drink more and I'm going to do more and I'm going to shop more and I'm going to do that because you're going to pay. We have this really screwed up way of looking at it. <laughs> we do, right? For sure. And I, there's this huge misconception that forgiving someone is like saying what they did is right or okay. And people right. get really hung up on that. And and those really are very different things. Can you talk about that a little bit, differentiating like forgiveness is not endorsing what happened or Mm-mm. what that person did? No, it's not. Forgiveness is not saying that what you did was right. So if we come into forgiveness with a thought that Forgiveness is for me. Like we see it all. We see, you know, it's the chains that bind you. It's the jail you put yourself in, the prison. When we look at forgiveness through the lens of life happens for me, not to me. If I can look at this as this other person is a reflection of some things that I've denied, repressed, and rejected about myself, that maybe they've got their own learning to do. I've got my learning to do. And all they are is a mirror. They're a mirror for me. Now, this is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. That I can then see that their behavior, I don't have to condone that behavior of what they did, but what I can extract from that is something that I can work on myself. Then I can evaluate. I can make a choice of how I want to be in relationship with that person. But it's learning not to take it personally in Mm. the sense of, they have it. They have their own, like they're projecting, like we hear these terms, right? They are projecting their fear, their anger, all of their stuff onto me. Now I can look at it two ways. I can be victimized Mm -hmm. and I can be a victim. 
Now, if they're abusive towards me, I want to say this. if We've all suffered abuse, so mm-hmm. we have been victimized. But I have a choice on how I want to move forward. Do I want to stay victimized or do I, or, I mean, do I want to stay a victim with that victimization or just stay victimized, if that makes sense? I can go, yes, I have been victimized. Okay. What am I going to do with that moving forward? Or do I stay a victim, mm-hmm. which means that I wallow and it's everybody's fault and I'm blame, shame, guilt, which keeps me from being sober and healthy and moving forward in the relationships and in life, how I want to move. So we don't condone the behavior. We look at them as a messenger. Mm, There's a message powerful. here for us. Yeah. yeah, there's a message here for me. And and I'm not, this is not an overnight thing, right? Uh, this is how I learned to, you know, I started this practice 10 years ago. So, you know, and so sometimes it's hard to look at things as a mirror because, you know, they're <laughs> jerks, man. This guy's being a jerk to me or these things are happening. Right. And, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, you know, when we can look at this and say, okay, I can have some really good boundaries right? Because this is the other thing we learn. We did. I didn't have, did you have boundaries? Oh my gosh. No, I <laughs> probably couldn't even have spelled that word. <laughs> I'm a boundary. What's a boundary? Aren't you yeah. supposed to spell all your stuff out to everybody? Like, yeah, never heard of it. Thanks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but we can have a boundary with this person. But you know, backing up, backing up, I have to learn to like myself and then love myself before I can even have that really. So we start with this behavior makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, as we sober up and we work the steps and we do the things, whatever the recovery process that people are doing, we become a little stronger in ourselves and we start to go, wait a minute, what, how this person treats me, I don't like anymore. Like I used to put up with it. Now I, I can't. What is that? And instead of taking it personally in the sense of, you know, that we can look and we can go, okay. I don't have to condone that behavior. I can I can learn to stand up for myself a little bit. And then the next step, which is, you know, the other thing that I learned was if whatever that person is doing is irritating me, let me look within myself. And what is that? That's so valuable to it, it because typically, and you hear this your whole life, right? Like if something if something is bothersome to you, it's typically because you do the same thing mm-hmm. and you're sensitive to it because it's something you see in yourself, right? Yeah. But something you said a few minutes ago about understanding, and I'm not going to get this exactly right. I don't remember your exact words, but understanding that the other person is learning and figuring things out and whatever also. And this is where some of that you know, pride and ego, that self-righteousness, selfishness, right? Where we get so caught up in only looking at our side and we're so stuck on our side and I want everybody to hear my side and I want them to agree with me and I want them to tell me I'm right. And we completely forget that your person has a side too. And this was a big breakthrough for me in trauma work and going through all of those past experiences, right, of 
you know, picking all the wrong people to try to have relationships with, you know, because I was so damaged, I only picked other damaged people. And then Mm -hmm. I wanted to spend decades hanging on to this resentment and bitterness because they treated me so poorly. And when I got into my trauma work, it was just getting to a basic understanding of like, well, Angela, how do you want everybody to forgive you and give you grace and acceptance for your past mistakes, but then you want to hold all of these past mistakes against everybody else? Like, it doesn't work that way. It has to go both ways. And coming to that realization of like, wow, I made really bad choices because I was a very broken person. Yes. And so were they. And that was huge. Just going, wow, they were on their own journey and figuring their things out. And just because somebody treated me this way 20 years ago doesn't mean they're still doing the same thing today. I mean, I hope they've grown up, but you never know. <laughs> but, but that was so valuable to really get to that understanding of I was learning and growing and figuring out my drama and trauma. <laughs> and everybody else is doing the same thing. And most people really are just doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we have pain around that. So I want the audience to know, I want each of you to really understand that, yes, if I jump to that conclusion too quickly, I'm bypassing my pain, which keeps mm-hmm. me in my addiction. So we can't heal what we don't feel. Oh, that's big. People are not going to like that, Brenda. They're no. not going to like that. No, because why did I drink? <laughs> yes, to drown so the I feelings. Yes. So I didn't have to freaking feel. That's what I did it for. I was trying to bury it, bury it, but it's like a beach ball that you hold underwater, right? Yeah. It's like a beach ball. You're pushing down, pushing down, all of a sudden, poof, it pops up at the most inopportune times. Our <laughs> bodies aren't meant to hold on to all of this. It's meant to be free. Our emotions are meant to flow through us, but we've learned uh-uh, it's going to get stuck and it'll come out in dis-ease. That's one of, that's one of the costs of unforgiveness, yeah. you know, is, is trying to stuff things down in a place that isn't able to hold it. And so you can't heal what you don't feel. Mm. And it's true that they show that when we learn to let our emotions and our feelings come through, it takes a little practice at first because we got a lot of buried stuff. Mm -hmm. But within a couple minutes, it'll go through. I can feel angry. I don't hold on to it anymore. Mm -hmm. I can feel hurt. I don't hold on to it anymore. And then the other piece is, so I don't want people to kind of bypass this beautiful part of our growth. And that is if I am triggered or activated by something and it hurts me, what is in it for me? What's the message that I have? And let me work on this. That's why I like the radical forgiveness approach. It allows me to work on it in a systematic way Mm -hmm. so that I do feel relief. It actually is a process. So please don't, you know, don't don't jump to the empathy too quickly. But yes, know that that is the end result. Mm -hmm. We are all imperfect. We are all humans, you know, having the same experience. And the other part of that is, and that we get to choose once we look at our own hurt and our own, and we start our own healing, then I can choose if I'm going to be in that relationship or not. Mm -hmm. 
right? It, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. That's, That's right. important. Yeah. Because that goes back to that boundaries. Because if somebody's hurt me, even a family member, I don't have to be around them. I don't have right. to suck it up. Right. right. I don't have to suck it up and just go, I have to do this. No, I get to be, I guess we can use pride in this way. I can be prideful of myself and take care of myself. Mm-hmm love myself because that's the one thing we're searching for right angela Absolutely. is we're searching to love ourselves so give us a definition of radical forgiveness ooh good one <laughs> so radical forgiveness gives us a way it's radical because it's an actual five step process that walks you through forgiving um, in a in a in a actually logical way but it's also in an energetic spiritual way. So it's not um, associated with any kind of religion or anything, but having a belief in a higher power, having a belief in something bigger than ourselves is, is important. But radical forgiveness is um, like a bridge to emotional freedom. And it is an actual five-step process. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, when I went into this thing, I was like, very. I, I wasn't going into my heart. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding? Being vulnerable? Mm. I was learning, right? But even after that much sobriety, I was still like, I don't I still am protecting him. I'm here you go. You stay there. I My hula hoop is over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I wanted to. I so desperately wanted to open up and be vulnerable and let people see me. Yet I was afraid. And that's where I think the universe pushed me into radical forgiveness because it was like, yeah, girlfriend, you need to go here. Mm-hmm. So it takes us through this beautiful process where our story is witnessed and validated with someone that you, it's, not, it's like a fifth step is what it is. So number one is telling the story and you get to tell it that way for the last time. So you're mm-hmm. telling your victim story, but you're not going to repeat it that way after you do the process. It's it's so cool. And then the second one is, guess this, feeling the feelings. We get <laughs> to acknowledge and feel. And I help people a lot because we, we're afraid of our anger. Mm-hmm. We are afraid. And so, but anger actually is a messenger. Anger is telling us where we have, our boundaries have been crossed where something doesn't, isn't in alignment with who we think we are, even ourselves. So our anger can, can be a really good messenger. We learn to do that. And then the third one is we learn to collapse this story. So this is where your empathy comes in. This is where um, understanding the other person is human too. That's like traditional forgiveness. That's what we learn. But in the collapsing of the story, we separate fact from interpretation. What's the story I made up about it? And what's the actual fact? The fact is my dad left when I was five. They got divorced. They had their own thing. The fact is the interpretation I made up about it is love is hard. I have to work hard to get love. Every man that I love is going to choose another woman over me. That's my story that when we do a timeline, we can see where else has this happened in my life, Mm -hmm. right? So that's magical. And itself, you go, you know, your brain just kind of goes, whoa. Then the fourth one is the actual reframe. That's where we look at it from a different perspective. We, we shift our perspective so we can change our energy around these stories. So then we become powerful. We bring our power back to us because I'm big on, on bringing our power back instead of blaming and pointing fingers out there, 
right? Let's bring it here. And then the fifth one is integration of the new story. You have made space. You have just cleared out this stuff. Now, what are you going to fill it back up with? Mm -hmm. How do you want to be? What are your choices in your life? How do you want to show up? How do you want to feel? And then we do a path towards that. So there is a process. You mentioned we are afraid of our anger. Yes. And I want to delve into that a little bit. Do you think people are afraid of their anger because they don't know what to do with it? Is it the... Because people get so caught up in the problem and we get so obsessive about the problems instead of shifting our attention to the solution, right? So I'm wondering if this is the same thing in really being afraid of that anger. Is it because we don't have solutions and we don't know how to channel it or process it or or not even recognizing it? I know certainly in my early sobriety, I could not identify a feeling to save my life. I had no idea what I was feeling from one minute to the next. And I could be all over the place, but I could never tell you what those individual feelings are. I had no idea. No. What we do is we learn at a very young age, we feel these emotions and feelings in our body, young, and it doesn't feel comfortable. It, it, it feels very odd. It doesn't feel good. So what we learn to do, what our psyche learns to do, our brain does is, is to hide it. We repress it and suppress it. Repress it for a lot of people is where you, we don't even really realize it's there. Suppressing is where I kind of know it's there and I'm just going to keep covering it with dirt, <laughs> covering up, covering up, covering up. All right, I'm going to drink a little bit more. I'm going to do a little bit more shopping. I'm going to do gambling, sex, whatever it is, I'm going to cover that puppy up mm-hmm. so that I can learn to show up in the world. Well, what we, so we never learn. No one teaches us that it's okay to be angry. Let's, let's throw a tantrum, right? Why kids do. That's why they throw the tantrum is they're getting the energy out of their body. What are we told? Go to your room. Stop that. Get in the car. We're leaving now because you, you know, you can't handle yourself, but that's actually a brilliant, healthy thing to do. Throw a tantrum as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the anger techniques I teach people is get a tennis racket and hit the bed. Mm. This is how we do it. But before that, in recognizing it, is being able to go, this is uncomfortable. I have an uncomfortable feeling. What is it? And being able to learn to sit with it and let it come up. Right? And so what I did was I found out I was angry by, again, after I left the ex, right? I'm five, six years sober. And I was moved into this little rundown apartment. I was trying to put this little desk together, right? One of those press board desks and putting it together. And I hit the hammer. I hit my thumb with the hammer. Okay. We all do that. It hurts. It's like, oh, I mean, people are probably grabbing their thumbs, right? (laughs) He's like, ow. I went into a raging blackout anger, raging, angry, blackout. And I ripped that desk apart with a hammer. It's a press board desk. It's not one of the thin ones. Mm-hmm. I come to a couple, and people get this, right? You come to <laughs> a few minutes later, and I'm crying, cry, and I'm laughing, and I'm getting it. All of a sudden, I'm going, oh, my God. I have, been, I have held that inside of me all of my life. Right. And it's huge because I didn't know it was there. And so... We can do exercises and we can do things to help encourage the anger out in a healthy way, but we're afraid of it because we don't know what it is because that little child inside of us had this 
big, huge ball of something, of fire that it didn't know what it was. So our brain makes it scary and says, no, 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 it goes over there. So mm. we're not taught it's okay, right? We don't have a mom or dad that's going, now some people, there's a few that do, but we're not, we don't have one to go, it's okay, honey, go ahead, you take this tennis racket and you hit the bed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, go ahead and throw your tantrum and then we'll talk. No. So we're afraid of that. And so therefore we grow up with it. I mean, seriously, that, that's what it is. It's our trauma. It's our pain. It's our wounds. It's, it's all of that that's stuffed. That's why we don't, we're afraid to deal yeah. with it because it seems bigger than us. But once we do it, Angela, it's not. It's not bigger than us. It's never as big as we think it's going to be. That's no. for sure. <laughs> no. True. So is everything really forgivable? Hmm. My answer is yes. Now, whether we want to or not is important because when we become aware of what's going on in our life and our stories and patterns, we learn to take responsibility for our part and how we want to move forward. That enables us to bring in choice. Before that, I didn't have a choice. When I'm blaming other people, I don't have a choice. Right. So when it comes to unforgivable things, I say, Yes, yet there are some people that don't want to, aren't able to, and they just, they hold on to it. Now, can they go on and live a life? Yes. I don't know if they're 100% happy because I carried that heavy burden for a long time. Now, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of pain as a human being. Mm-hmm. We have betrayal and judgment and, you know, we're hard on ourselves. I'm going to say this, that yes, everything is forgivable. And you, once you become aware of it and take responsibility, once we do those pieces, then we can choose if it's a good time to forgive. Because Angela, sometimes it's not the right time to forgive. If I've recently been hurt, uh uh-uh, we don't jump to forgiveness. We feel the feelings first. Mm -hmm. If I've been betrayed, if I've had a major loss, we definitely don't jump to forgiveness. And there's a right time to forgive, I believe. That's mine. And Mm -hmm. so I encourage people that don't jump because we don't like pain, even though we live with pain. (laughs) We don't like pain. So we want to, we want to feel better, right? That's Mm -hmm. why I drank. (laughs) I just, right, right. You know, let me feel better. And it's like, no, 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 no. The beauty of being a human being lies in the ability to feel our feelings and let them pass through so that we can see what's on the other side of the fear. It's like a sunrise. It truly is. Mm -hmm. And I get to know myself better. I get to understand myself better. I get to hear myself. All the things that I'm searching outside of myself for, understanding, being heard, being seen, I get to be that for me. Mm. That's the real magic right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Brenda, thank you again for coming on and doing this with me. This has been awesome. I could talk about this stuff all day long. And I did, for listeners out there, I did ask Brenda to stay on with me and record a video where we are going to get to some of the listener questions. I went in the Facebook group and I asked everybody, hey, what do you want me to ask 
about forgiveness. I'm interviewing a forgiveness coach. What do you want me to ask? And I've got a list of questions. So we're going to do that. And that will be in the Facebook group for anybody that's not already a part of the group. Get over there and join facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash addiction unlimited. And you can catch that video with Brenda and I as well. Brenda, thank you so much. It's such brilliant work you're doing, and I appreciate you sharing with us. Thank you, Angela. I'm so happy to be here. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast, candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.